twofold process of formation. Remember that self-awareness, uh, self-acceptance, and self-gift. And if you remember, uh, self-awareness has to do with the question, uh, do you know yourself? And this is a very profound question that we can spend a lot of time talking about. Self-acceptance is related. It has to do with the question, can you acknowledge all that you see of yourself as life events come up and different parts of us come out? Can we acknowledge and accept that this is all of us in its totality? Not just the pleasant sides of us, but also the perhaps the not so pleasant sides of us. Too. Can, can we look at ourselves without denying or pushing away all of the reality that we see? And then finally, self-gift which has to do with this idea that you know, once we own ourselves, once we know ourselves, once we own ourselves, our Christian life teaches us that we should give this self away. So it's not that we're, we have a self just so that we can say we have a self. It's not so much that we can have a whole self just so we can enjoy being a whole self. Although that's, that's totally fine too. There's a purpose even beyond just our enjoyment and our experience of being whole. It's so that we can, as a whole person, give ourselves to the Lord, give ourselves to our give ourselves the gift as he wishes. And when I think of this idea of self-gift, I think of Jesus' words in John 15, 13, which says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And as I've been reflecting and having conversations about last week's message with several of you, some of you have been asking some really insightful questions like, well, how does you know, this self-knowledge, self acceptance, self-gift, how does that fit into kind of God's overall kind of work of sanctification in our lives? How, how does it fit into kind of God's uh, lifelong process of forming us into his image little bit by little bit? And I just want to touch on maybe two conceptual responses to this question. I think the first response that I have is that it might be fair to say that perhaps uh, you can say that there's one long arc of how these three selves play out over the course of our entire life. And people like Ron Rolfheiser, people like Richard Rohr, they speak of uh, the two, two halves of life. Thank you. They speak of the two halves of life, where uh, the first half of life, maybe our first 30 years, first 40 years, for me it took a lot longer than that, um, we, we build a life, we build a self, right? In my case, uh, I started off as a social worker, I started off as an engineer, and it took me 35 years to realize that if I was to be an engineer for the rest of my life, I would probably be miserable. Um, not that all engineers are miserable, that's not the case. Um, but for me, in the way that God created me, uh, I would have been miserable if I was an engineer for the rest. It took me a long time to realize that and accept that about myself. And it took me about 40 years to find myself as a psychologist and as a professor now. And now I get to enter into a new season of giving myself away as uh, who I am right now. But it took me a long time to get there. And then you add getting married, add having kids. It took a long time, a lot of work to actually build a life, right? And I know a lot of us are still in the middle of that, and that's where we're supposed to be, right? But there's this, also this idea that eventually, in the second half of life, we begin to pivot where we've built a life. And the question is about, well, uh, how do we give it away, right? Because we don't build this just to enjoy it for ourselves. Right. I think it's true to say that the three selves can play out uh, in one big arc along, uh, over the course of one's entire life. And I also think it's fair to say that we go through many cycles of these three selves, right? Where um, when I was in high school, I was learning about myself, I was accepting myself, and I also gave myself away as a high schooler would, right? 
when I was in college, same thing. When I was in my early 20s as a young adult, I also had to find myself in a unique way in that season of life and also served and ministered to the world and to the Lord in that capacity as well. And I would say through all the different seasons of life, we all go through processes of self-knowledge, self-acceptance, self-gift, whether that involves not just college age, young adult life, but maybe early married life, um, maybe married with young kids life, maybe, and as Vivian and I maybe are approaching in about four more years, uh, four to six years, like empty nester life, we're going to have to grow and discover anew what it looks like for us to have a self without any children anymore. Like, who are we without our children, right? That's pretty much what defined us for the last 10 years. And then in turn, for us to give this away. So what I'm really excited about this morning is bring in seasoned, mature um, two pastors that God has gifted. Um, Bernice and Marcus, if I can invite you guys to come up. <laughs> and, and these two are just a gift from the Lord that God just dropped into our church. And they have so many years of ministry and life experience of, um, of learning and giving themselves in various different contexts. They've served in so many different ways. And I'll, I'll invite them to share some of this stuff uh, themselves. But what I'd like to do is, uh, and today will be a bit, we're going to do today's service in Spanglish, which I'm really excited. We're, we're going to hope to do more of this in the future. <laughs> um, but I, what I'd like to start off is by asking, inviting the two of you to share some of the lessons that you've learned along the way of the many years, many decades of self-gift and ministry to the Lord and to other people. So what are some of the lessons that you, you two have learned? Well, um, is it on? Yep. Okay. Um, well, first of all, thank you for for considering us. Uh, it, it's a blessing, and and thank you for allowing us to share with you a little bit of uh, what uh, we have learned throughout our um, Christian life. We became Christians uh, thirty something years ago, um, very unique way. I don't want to go on, maybe another time I'll go into the detail of that, because that's, that's, that's interesting. But really fun story. <laughs> and um, so um, I was born in Mexico City. I just want, yeah, I, I love it. so I was born in Mexico City um, in one of the toughest cities uh, that you can imagine. Uh, and um, I came to U.S. when I was 15, uh, and that, this is where I uh, came to know Christ uh, in a very unique way again, and then I met my wife. And then once we became Christians, we have gone through a lot of uh, interesting stuff, very, very cool, interesting, and sometimes difficult, painful, and fun, and yeah, all of that. And so with all of that, um, if I, one of the things that I've learned um, throughout my Christian life is that a proper discipleship is paramount um, for a healthy, abundant life in the kingdom of God. Um, and we were blessed that we, that God provided a good um, 
person who disciple us. And that set us on a path of um, growth and blessings, and through that we have been able to bless others. Um, and so what that means um, is, it means to, um, to understand to the best of our abilities who we are in Christ, what we have received, and who we have become. And therefore, for, therefore and, and because of that, we can fulfill our mission in the kingdom of God with that discipleship, with that with somebody helping us to understand um, who we are in Christ and what we have received. And it's just huge. It's incredible. Uh, it, is, it is amazing what we have received once we have given our lives to Christ. So that's what I have learned um, throughout my years. Um, good morning, church. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of Spanglish because there's some <laughs> words that I'm like, okay, that's kind of hard to pronounce in English, so I will do it Spanish. Um, so um, this part of uh, lessons learned through three decades already has been um, the first part of our Christian life we learned to say, uh, to take a pause, not to jump in too quickly because, you know, we, we were very passionate about Jesus, the gospel, the church, and we want to do and do and do and do and do, and and at time was we were like neglecting each other, we we're like not taking care of our family, and and that was very, oh, it was very difficult and it was tiring, and it was not fun, so we learned to say uh, no, you know, sometimes, and to say and to take care of our our family, and and you know, actually what I learned was my ministry was my family first my family first um not saying that um we are not going to work or do things at church and ministry but if we are not functioning relate to each other in in a in a christian way in a holy way in, in a way that it reflects love then whatever i do outside whatever i get involved it's just not going to bring fruit and and um so that we learn uh, it's, it's good to say to say you know this time I, I can't do this and I need to take care of this part first and in and then work on that right work on that help help and grow your family and minister your your, your family be be there for them uh, show them the ways of the Lord and, and and disciple your kids because that's another part of discipleship you know is you disciple your kids teach him the way of God and sometimes we we rely on the church to show them everything about Jesus no it's actually my job mm. as, a, as a parent as a mother to do that um, not just to, to talk that but to model that yeah that's that's important and I, and I will add just uh, for the for the single people you would say how does that apply to me well it, it's kind of like the same because ultimately when we um, discovered that our uh, that family is our first ministry uh, that implies that I have to grow as a person that I have to grow that individually we have to grow each other and so as a, uh, if you are a single person it's like yeah it, 
part of the Christian life, or what a Christian life is, is to embark on a growth uh, for existence and beyond. Um, and so that is, that is very fun. So that, that's how it can be applied to the, to the people who is not married. Yeah, I, I remember when we had a conversation about some of the lessons that you learned. Um, there seemed to be a season, and I think there's a lot of people in our church that can relate to this, where there's a season that we were so passionate about serving, but it almost felt like we overdid it, right? And, and then we were not having, we didn't have enough time for some of the most important relationships in our life. Um, what did, what did, when did you start to realize that maybe you overstretched yourself in ministry? And um, like, what did that look like during that season? Um, so it was definitely, um, I started feeling, um, I didn't feel the joy, you know, of doing God's work. I was very, um, it's more like an obligation. It turned into like an obligation rather yeah. than a healthy way to 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 serve and then also learn because I, I I needed to be filled. You know, I needed to be um, taught the way God wants me to to be and 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 that I I learned that my responsibility has to be. I have to be responsible for my spiritual growth. You know, I cannot relate my spiritual growth to, to my pastor or to my my husband, even he helps a lot, but it's actually my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I have to take, um, we have a very good friends and mentors that taught us to be, to, to own your own, you know, uh, spiritual growth that you are responsible, you're capable to do that. As you grow, right, in the beginning, yeah, you need, um, you need help and mentors and pastors, and, but as you, you know, mature, all right, then take care of yourself, you know, take care spiritual, emotionally, physically, and in many ways. So, yeah, so I, I felt empty when I was overdoing things. And when I stopped, I need to pause myself. I, I just need to do that, you know, to pause myself and, and then, and say, okay, what what things I need to do? What's 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 gonna cost me? <laughs> and yeah. that actually, I want to bring up a scripture. If you don't mind bringing bring that up, the scripture is, um, I would say about maybe ten years ago. I I you know when you read the Bible, every time you read it, there's something new in it. Like it's life, right? It's a life. It's like oh, it's always teaching you something. So I I was um, no, I'm sorry. Is that Luke 14? That was my. It's actually, yeah. Uh oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Luke 14. I give you the, Luke 15. the wrong That's okay. chapter. Uh, uh, so I will. I think I have it here. I always try to be prepared just in case. <laughs> so this this passage is um, is is beautiful because I I was reading uh, Luke chapter 14 verse 25 verse 25, and um, it says that, um, it says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, 
Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Um, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone will laugh at you. They will say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king will go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can, he will send a de delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is throwing away anyone with ears to hear to listen and understand. So many times when I read the Bible, I picture myself in the story. I love, you know, the context, uh, and, and I try to see. So I was reading this, and I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the disciples because I've been a disciple for many years. But I, I feel like God, Jesus turned around, and he was talking to me, like, you are a follower. <laughs> like, no, Jesus, I'm your disciple. No, you need to listen to this part. You have to understand the cost. It's okay. You've been following me here and there. You see miracles. You've been, you know, you, you love the teachings. You like to learn. But this is the next step. You, you need to realize that it's a cost. And this is what it costs. You have to take your cross every day. You have to understand that your life is not yours anymore. And, and this is the price. And that, for me, was a, 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 like, wow, this is another, another level, you know, where when you're, when you're ready, when this is the time, God will say, I invite you to come and be a disciple. So in order to, be a, a, to disciple others, I have to be a disciple first, right? And it's a never-ending because it's an everyday, like every day. Sorry, I went Thank to you. No, this is great. And, and we were, I remember in our conversation, we were talking about how counting the cost looks different in different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. it, it looks different for the college-age person to the young adult, like following Jesus and the cost of following Jesus. It's different from season to season. Yeah, I, I would like to, yeah, add that, yeah, it, it, we, for the for some years in our early Christian lives, uh, we were um, just being followers. Yeah, we 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 will just enjoy seeing um, miracles and and just seeing uh, good worship and just you know just expecting yeah. maybe even a meal. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know that is something that we found ourselves doing and that um started because we were also part of that 
right? We were contributing to that, and, and, and that also make us burn and get tired because we were not, um, we didn't start uh, the right way. I mean, one thing that I've learned is that God does not send followers into missions. He sends his disciples. You will think, why would that be? Well, because you will not send uh, your little kid to go and buy groceries. You may send your teenager um, or somebody uh, with more experience. So when we discovered that, then yeah, that's when uh, it's like, all right, ah, okay, let's let's count the cost, and and uh, we want to be disciples now yeah. of Christ. Yeah. And as I was, uh, we're, as we're uh, sharing and sharing of our uh, life journeys, I think there's another area that we really related to each other with. And I think several of you relate to this as well, where there were seasons of life where we just overstretched ourselves in ministry, gave ourselves too much, and we felt burnt out and we got burned. And then that led to another season where we compensated on the other side, and we decided to go to a church where I'm not going to serve anything here. I'm just going to go to a church with great worship, great message, good food, good programs, and I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to enjoy and receive all this and kind of compensate on the other side. And I'm, what I think part of our conversation is that, that that was also, something was missing even in that one as well, right? Because maybe the theme is that because there was no cost. Like, if I just go to a church because it has all these good things as a way to react to me stretching myself too much, something important is still missing there. There is no growth when that happens. Yeah. You're just an spectator. You stop serving everybody, and and not engaging and not growing because through 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 that relationships and community we grow. We we, we, we you know we share experiences. We this is and that's another lesson. That this is a training place, and and this part of our you know our mentors taught us to. We, we train, we train our, our, our faith. We, we show each other how to do this. You, when you go to the gym, you, you start by doing easy, right? Not too hard, but they show you how. And I think church is that. It's a, it's a place to, to, to train, to heal, and to try and error. It's safe. It's a sa it should be a safe place to make mistakes. Yeah, it happens. But it happens sometimes that, that people get offended so easily. You know, it's like, they offended for everything, and it's like, no, we we need to see the big picture, and we are, you know, we need to practice that here. So when we go to the, our workplaces, our school, or we 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 know how to do it because it's not personal. Otherwise, we I, for me it's like I'm egocentric, you know, it's all about me, and it's not. That is not about me, you know. The things can trigger me, yes, and I need to realize that and work on that, but. I love the communities, you know, that where they open and have this type of panels where they're very honest, and we hear things that are not really fun, and the church are not open sometimes to listen to, you know. Um, but I think you become a better listener. You know, I need to understand what you're saying, you know. So I, I think that that is. is Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And, you know, I think something that is really, I mean, just looking through this room and also knowing who's joining us online and thinking of some of us who aren't here physically, I, I, I know that there's several of us 
that like when I see you guys serving at our church, I, I know how meaningful it is because you've gone through that journey of a previous church that burned you out or you got burned, and then you went through a season of like the desert period where you didn't want to do anything and you didn't want to serve anymore, you just wanted to receive. And then you've come to our church, and for you to start serving, it actually, uh, like for us to know your story and to see you serve, we know how, how, how meaningful that is because you've come a long way to get there. You know? So the question I have for both of you is, you've gone through a season like that too, where you overstretched, had some very negative experience in ministry, then you uh, went to another church where you didn't want to serve, and as you're coming here and you're jumping in again, like you're helping with the children, you're speaking here, and uh, like what, uh, what's keeping you, motiv- what's motivating you in your heart to re-engage in service after all the difficult experiences you've gone through in church and in other ministry settings? Like what keeps you going after all these years and the ups and downs? Yeah, I, I had to write all of these things down um, because uh, I remember maybe my memory is failing, so I had to write. So um, what keeps me going is because I understood that Christ came to give me and us life, not only eternal, but abundant life. And that is too good to keep to myself. I can't, uh, I mean, like, no, I can't. It's, you know, if I share maybe uh, with my colleagues or people about uh, some of my passions uh, or, or even a, a TV program or whatever, or maybe a rest, a good restaurant, how can I not share um, what life is truly about in Christ? So that's one of the things that is, uh, keeps me going. Um, and, and also because uh, I can work uh, on the best companies that you can ever imagine, right? Well, I work for T-Mobile, and, and it's one of the one of the best companies out there. Um, great benefits, uh, great um, environment to work in, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and <clears throat> maybe in a... Maybe, maybe sometimes we dream on being part of something big, right? But um, that pales in comparison to work for the creator of it all, for the almighty. That, that, all of that is to work for him um, and to see dead come to life, to see life sprout from infertile ground. To see physical, mental, emotional, <clears throat> sorry, and spiritual healing, it just makes my faith grow. So I do it for others, but also just to see how my God keeps working. He never ceases to keep working, never ceases to be good. And so that's what, that's what keeps me going. Um, and that also helps me to focus on, <clears throat> put my, my, my vision on God and not humanity, whether that be in church or just general humanity. Um, I remember a, a good mentor of us told me one time, son, when you are dealing with God, that's a for sure thing, that's gonna happen. But when you are dealing with humans, leave a space like that of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> because humans are gonna fail. And so, yeah. Um, working for the big boss is the best thing ever. Oh, I love that. 
Thank you. Are you pretty sure? Well, for, for me is the understanding that um, love God is obey God. It's, it's, it, yeah, it involves my emotions, my feelings about God and that warm feeling. It, it feels awesome, no worship time and all this. But it's obe obedience. Obedience is, is loving God. It, you know, the, 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 the scripture repeats this over and over. If you obey my commandments, if you know, follow my statutes. And um, this friend always repeats this part saying, and I write it down. It says, there is somebody waiting in the other side of your obedience. Mm -hmm. There is somebody waiting for me to respond on the other side of my obedience. So that keeps me going. You know, people fail, churches, and, and we just keep going. You know, it's, it's a lifestyle, I, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obedience isn't very sexy, but it's still the <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's still the substance of our faith. Yeah. Um, well, um, as we wrap up today, this morning, thank you for all the words of wisdom you just dropped us at us the last several minutes. Um, wh what is one one thing, maybe a passage of scripture, a word of the Lord, or an encouragement that you would like to leave as a last blessing uh, for this morning? Either one of you. Well, I hope this isn't, is, it, is that on the screen? It's Galatians um, chapter 2, verse 20. Mm. And, um, and this is powerful. Uh, it's a constant remi reminder about, about uh, my exercise, that I, I need to exercise this. And it says, Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a major act of gifting, and God did that for me. So whatever I do, I don't do it from an empty place, but from a, a very resourceful identity in Christ. And the reminder of I need to crucify my old self you know, that's an everyday thing. It's not one event 30 years ago. It's every day. That's something that I exercise. And, and I put it in Spanish, too. So, mis amigos van a aprender español. La Biblia en español. Y dice, Galatas 2.20, he sido crucificado en Cristo. Y ya no vivo yo, sino que Cristo vive en mí. Lo que ahora vivo en el cuerpo, lo vivo en la fe, por la fe, en el Hijo de Dios, quien me amó y, se, y dio su vida por mí. Un poquito largo, pero es lindo. Mm -hmm. So, the, yeah. Um, Sounds better in Spanish, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that verse um, is a reminder, a constant reminder of the price that one has to pay when we decide to be disciples of Christ. In order to, to be a good disciple of Christ, we must die to ourselves every day. Every day. The minute that we start taking control of our lives, 
which is on a, it's healthy, it is good. We just have to be contextual on what does that mean. Uh, but the, yeah, it is a constant reminder that, that as a disciple of Christ, we must die every day. And that we live, you know, we, we die to that. Yeah, and that's, I, I think that's such a powerful and rich question for us to reflect on. Uh, the question of, well, given the season that we're living in right now, you know, maybe uh, with little kids, you know, young adults, um, what does it look like for us to be crucified with Christ in this season? Like, what, what does it look like to carry the cross in this season of life, to follow and obey the Lord? Um, can I ask the two of you to just uh, pray for us and pray a blessing on us um, at the close of our time? Yeah, Thank I'm going to start in Spanish and I'll just do it in English. Um. Que el Señor te bendiga y te guarde, que haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti, tenga de ti misericordia, alce sobre ti su rostro y ponga en ti paz. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.